Yankee fans have to start asking themselves, how many times can one be punched in the gut? How many times can one's soul be crushed? Ask a Yankees fan, they will have a specific number for you. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory has become commonplace as it happened once again on Sunday as the Yankees lost three of four in devastating fashion in Boston. Can this team make the playoffs? Are they buyers, sellers, or do-nothingers at the deadline? WFAN and SNY's Mark Malusis will join us to get into where this team stands with three against the Rays in the trade deadline this week. It's all on the latest group therapy session. Bring up your own couch. We call the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher, Jeff Nelson, you'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. WFAN host, SNY contributor, and Yankees fan Mark Malusis, the Moose, will join us later in the Pinstripe Pod. But first, oh God, we have to talk about this series up in Boston. And Jeff, let's go game by game. Okay, in the first, <laughs> we have to because I've waited since Thursday when we taped this podcast the last time, and we had your former manager Joe Torre on, and he was so so candid with us about where this game is going and how they don't let these baseball people think anymore. Everything is done by analytics, and it drives him up a wall. Uh, and he and he made the best point saying that baseball is imperfect, and what they're trying to do now is make it perfect. And you can't do that. You have to let these baseball people use their instincts. And that takes me to Thursday. Jordan Montgomery, who hadn't had a run scored for him in a start, and I believe it was five straight starts. The Yankees offense just went to sleep when he went on the mound over his last five starts. He goes out there Thursday night and he pitches his you-know-what out. He leaves. The Yankees have a 3-1 lead and it starts to get dicey late in the game. They go into extras, of course. Now, Aroldis Chapman had pitched two nights in a row. Zach Britton had pitched two nights in a row. We've had Mike Stanton, your former teammate on this podcast, and he said so eloquently, you know, I used to come in three straight days, and I know I didn't have my velocity, and I had to figure it out. That was then. This is now, as the monkey sang once. Jeff, when you pitch your guts out as a starter, and then you see... Brooks Krisky throw four wild pitches to basically give it up in the 10th. I don't know about you, and I know Jordan Montgomery isn't this type of guy, but I would have been flipping stuff over in the locker room, flipping stuff over in the locker room that we need this game on Thursday. We need to make a statement. We haven't won at Fenway yet, and you have Brooks freaking Krisky on the mound at Fenway Park. And then Aaron Boone says, well, you know, he had a great, he had a good, he did a good job against the Phillies. Yeah, that was at home against the Phillies. This is on the road in a game you needed, desperately needed. And you run him out there and four wild, I mean, it it couldn't have gone worse, Jeff. So that was Thursday. Uh, What were your thoughts after seeing what unfolded up at Fenway? 
Well, I'm just trying to imagine. You just mentioned Montgomery, and, and you know, this interview told a lot. You, you know, when he was <laughs> he really took it to heart. So basically, I don't think he I don't think he was upset at Krisky as much as he was upset at the decision to bring him in. I, I'm just trying to imagine what Pettit and Clemens and Coney and, uh, you know, Wells and El Duque and all those guys are thinking if if some rookie came in to try to close out a game because they couldn't use Mo for three days in a row or they couldn't use me or, or Stanton or Mendoza. I mean, what what are we talking about here? You know, I, I think I texted you and you said, oh, you know, I think uh, Chapman has something wrong with his finger. What's wrong with these guys throwing three days in a row? They did this before. Is the analytics telling them not to throw th- three days in a row? And you just mentioned Stanton just came on when we had him a, few, a couple months ago and said that, okay, you might not have your best stuff, but you got to figure it out. They can't figure it out now because the computer's not telling them, oh, three days in a row, you, you should be doing this because your velocity is dropping or your stuff is not. The computer doesn't know that 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 answer, so they can't pitch. You know, if the computer knows the answer, then it's okay for them to pitch. He's a young kid going into a situation in a, you know, I, I guess a hostile environment. You're going into Boston and you desperately need the game. I texted you. I think he even tweeted out, maybe if you did not catch on one knee, you might have had a chance out of three of them. I mean, they were pretty they were pretty bad, but at least you would have given yourself a shot to block three of the balls and keep them in front of you. One of them, you had no shot. It was about a 45-footer that went right over the catcher's head. Can you correct me if I'm wrong? Before I move on to the second game on Friday, uh, and that, that one will be easy, but it seems like analytics, when used the proper way with baseball instincts, seems to be a winning combination. Now, having said that, I'm not poo-pooing analytics completely. I'm not, but I think some teams overuse it. And I think the teams that overuse it take the competitor take the heart and take the guts out of their players. I'm not saying the players are gutless, but I think the analytics that protect them in certain points do take that component away from the competitor. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, we had Tori on last Thursday and he said so many good things as far as what analytics are about and how he couldn't manage nowadays because all the feel, all the instinct is taken out of the game. The thinking process is already done for you. And so these players don't know how to think on their own. And you can see it. I see it, not just the Yankees. I see it in, in, on a lot of teams. A majority of the teams in, in baseball, the thought process is taken right out of the game because the computer is thinking for them. That is not sports. That's, that's not baseball. It's not basketball, hockey, football. It's nothing. The thought process has to be in the game. And you have to think about what you're doing. You have to get a feel for the moment. You have to get a feel about what you're doing on the mound or at the plate. And that's taken away. It's been taken away, and it's been taken away for a long time. Not just this year, but for many years, ever since analytics have started playing a big part in this game. I'm looking at the Yankee. We talked about the bullpen last week and saying, you know what? Now all of a sudden the bullpen is going bad, and they're starting to give up runs. You know, you're starting to see certain guys in pressure situations. Chad Green is a very good pitcher. He's not, to me... A, a pitcher that can handle certain situations a number of days in a row or a number of times in a row. He needs one of those clean layup innings, and then all of a sudden you can put him into a, uh, into, into a big inning, uh, an important inning. He, he's not a closer. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be consistent in locking a game down. Loisega, very good pitcher. Another guy that if you throw him multiple days in a row, his, his stuff, he can't figure it out as far as trying to get guys out. 
uh, we'll talk about yesterday, but when his outing, you know, Britton is one of those guys he's closed before. He's been an outstanding closer. So I, I'm sure that he's probably sitting down there and saying, hey, I can throw three days in a row if you would like me to. And you're just not doing it. The thought process in the game has been totally taken out and the computer is thinking for everyone. And you can really, really see it in the Yankees and especially this year because I think they're getting exposed. It's always been there because they've spent millions of dollars on this analytics stuff and on our analytics program and department. But it's just the thought process is taken right out from the players. And it's a shame. It's sad to see. That's why I think the game is just in a bad place. Friday, Friday's very easy. This is an unabated layup for me to, to throw this out there to you. And that is, you know, Garrett Cole was brought in here. You can't argue with the fact that the Yankees made the right decision in bringing him in. He was an absolute dog before the break, throwing 129 pitches against the Astros in Houston. He was basically Charlton Heston. You could take the ball from my cold, dead hand. And that's the thing that I miss about baseball. But Friday night, when your ace needs 104 pitches to navigate five innings, you got to start scratching your head because, again, you're coming off a loss that was terrible, a heartbreaking loss when Krisky throws the four wild pitches in extra innings and ruins Monty's great start. Cole's job in that spot, and I know the Red Sox are a tough lineup, but you're supposed to be the backbone of this rotation. To go out there, and spit the bit, and don't tell me he was quality with the five innings and the three earned runs. Stop it. Please stop it. Your ace should not need, I don't care how good the opposing lineup is, he should not need 104 pitches to get through five freaking innings. No, I agree. You know, he's, again, he's a really robotic ace. You, you know, you, you hear his interviews and the, and the and his thought process, it's almost, it's very robotic to me. It's not, uh, sometimes the feel of the game is gone from him as well. You're right. You're in a big moment and you're paying this guy a ton of money and you're not seeing some results in some of the big games you need to. You know, okay, 129 pitches. I, I love the way he, he did said whatever he said to Boone to stay in the game. He needed to stay in that game. And he's come up big on a lot of occasions. I'm thinking... You know, again, going back, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, you know, Clemens in his day, Andy Pettit, you know, these guys, David Cohn, these guys were ones that when I'm in the bullpen that I know that I'm probably going to pitch if they can't go nine. But for the majority of the time, they're going to go nine and I'm going to have a day off because if they're going to step up, I remember Randy Johnson, he was my teammate. And I knew that when we were in the playoffs, that was a win. You know, I, I knew then, okay, if we lost the first two games, especially in the division series in 95 when we played the Yankees, he pitched game three. Well, you know what? It, we're going to win that one. I know we're winning this one. It was an automatic win, and you knew that. You knew on certain occasions that these games, El Duque, a lot of these games were automatic wins. All we had to do is if they did go 112 or 120 pitches, and they did that most every single time that they went out on the mound, then we had to you know, worry about four or five outs, and that was about it. It's different with Cole. His pitch count gets up there because he's in too many deep counts. There's way too many foul balls, and he's got good stuff, and he shouldn't be fouling off stuff. I mean, he needs to be able to, I guess, set up some pitches in order to strike guys out or to get contact for them to put the ball in play. We talked to Bucky Dent on the Yankees batting practice show. Your your buddy down there at uh, Yankees Fantasy Camp, uh, you guys are really tight, and he spoke very highly of you once again. I know we had him on this podcast, but I asked him the last question to him 
in that interview, which was a great, great time talking about that 78 comeback when they were down 14 games. They were down 10 and a half entering yesterday back then. Uh, And Bucky and I had this conversation and he said, you know, I see a lot of similarities between this team and the 78 team because we had Ron Guidry and they have Garrett Cole. And it was, to your point, every fifth day, those 78 Yankees knew they were going to win because Guidry was going to the mound. Well, right right now, Nelly, it's not Cole. It's Jamison Tyone. He pitched his rear end off on Saturday, gave up three runs, but hung tough, pitched seven frames, and the Yankees picked up their only win in the series. And right now, if if you were to ask me who the best pitcher in the rotation has been over the last month, it's that guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's put together a great July. That's four in a row that he's really pitched well in July. And he only gave up one earned run, you know, out of the three because of of their great fielding that the Yankees have. Uh, (laughs) You know, he gave up one one earned run out of the three and he kept them in the game. And, you know, you can easily say the Yankees probably should have lost that game, but they came back. It's one of those they got to Adovino and they were able to come back and score four in the eighth inning, and they beat them four to three. And I thought that, I said, you know, those type of games kind of turn things around, you know, as bad as things have been, the roller coaster ride that the Yankees have had. And even in that ninth inning when when Chapman had second and third with two outs and they had the Boston had one of their hotter hitters up in, in Hernandez, and I was like, okay, this probably – doesn't seem like it's going to turn out that well, but it did. And I said, these type of games can turn things around for a team as bad as it's been. And then all of a sudden they go and they and they just poop all over themselves. It, 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 well, thank God you brought up the poop because you're allowed to do that. But it, it, every time the Yankees have a win like that, it reminds me of Harry Doyle in Major League when, oh, Willie, yeah. May, when Willie Mace Hayes gets on and he says, maybe things are going to turn around for the tribe this year. And then he gets picked off first base. Maybe they need to do that. They need to have what what uh, what what picture of someone can they peel? Start peeling off of the the clothing. What can the Yankees do? Is there someone that they that actually absolutely do not like them? I have no idea. I have no idea. But you know what? Something has to start to happen because the way they lost last night on Sunday or yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon with Herman no hitting the Red Sox the way he did, and then giving up the double. Now, look, I didn't have any trouble. Everybody's like second-guessing Boone for taking Hermana. I knew he was on borrowed time. And and the minute he get beat, I, I, but to, to <laughs> see, this is where the Joe Torre, Aaron Boone stuff that we talked about at the beginning comes back into play here, buddy. And that's the fact that Aaron Boone said after the game, he was in a danger zone at 90 pitches. All of a sudden, he's turning into the cartoon Archer. Danger zone! (laughs) Seriously? A starting pitcher is in a danger zone at 90 pitches, and he has a no-hitter going? This is not the major leagues that I grew up with. This is not the major leagues that I want to go into the future with. And to lose the way they lost, being up 4-0 that late in the game, and then losing 5-4 the way they did... They take the win that you just mentioned, Jeff, that could turn everything around and they flush everything right back down the toilet. How many times have we seen that this year? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was watching, I didn't catch the beginning, but once I started seeing that the Herman had a no hitter, I started watching in the sixth inning and I mean, he was nasty. My goodness. I mean, his breaking ball, his change up that time when he struck out four guys in the seventh inning and that change up that he threw, I think it might've been to Martinez that Sanchez clanked. 
I, I know they were getting all over Sanchez for not catching it, but I don't know who's going to catch that ball. I mean, I, that thing had about two feet of movement on it, and it, he was lucky to maybe even get a glove on it. So I, I'm not even going to get all over him about that because that was just a nasty pitch. And he was dotting he was dotting a gnat in the butt and with his fastball. He was great. And the umpire was – I mean, I didn't have any problem with the umpire helping him out. I mean, he was getting some good calls, especially on the inside part of the plate. And and I liked how he was pitching inside to righties. I, and then all of a sudden he'd throw that nasty breaking ball down and away and he was getting some strikeouts. You know, I had no problem. I don't think any team – you know, the last time I think he threw, what, 83 pitches like the second week of June. So that's a long time for this guy to all of a sudden now start ramping it up and trying to hit 100 pitches. I can understand what they were thinking about getting him out of there. So, you know, okay, give up a hit and then remove him. But, you know, I, I think I'm getting a little tired of the Boone interviews with all these, uh, his ESPN commentating days when he can say the danger zone and all the cliches that he keeps throwing out there. Gut punch. We'll go get him tomorrow. I, I, it's it's getting old. You got to start thinking as a manager and start, you know, stop making excuses or, or saying a stupid commentary crap because it is getting old. You know, I, I love Aaron Boone. I played with him. I played with his whole family. You know, they were all my teammates, his dad even at one time in spring training. But it's it's just to see. I, I get tired of I get tired of the interviews. It's it's getting a little old. And then Eliza came in, and you know this is the second day in a row. You know they're making excuses for him. You know oh he he just comes back from the COVID IL, and you're pitching him two days in a row. Come on, these guys are allowed to do that. But all everything that he had was all up. You know I know the little slider that he threw to Vasquez, or you know that that he hit off the end of the bat into right field for a base hit. But every single pitch that he threw was up in the zone. It had nothing on it. Uh, nothing was down. Nothing was sharp. And then all of a sudden you bring in Britain and that second and third with the infield back with when it's four to three, that's like rolling the dice. I think it's, you know, I'm looking on Twitter and reading on Twitter that, Oh, he should have had the infield in, you know, that's kind of rolling the dice. I know he's a ground ball pitcher, but if all of a sudden something does sneak through the infield, then all of a sudden you're scoring two runs. So it's a roll of the dice. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't in that situation, but it shouldn't have gotten to that situation. And like I said, you, you kind of knew Herman was on borrowed time, but the Yankees now have three losses this season when they've led by four more runs in the eighth inning or later, tying the most such losses in a single season in franchise history. It's the first time they've had three such losses since 1993. And uh, the trade deadline is rapidly approaching now, Nelly. 4 p.m. on Friday. I have to ask you this. Are the Yankees buyers, sellers, or do they stand pat? I'm getting a, I'm getting a stronger feeling that they're staying pat. I, I don't know who's going to trade with them. I don't know what they're going to go out and get to try to improve this team. And plus, I don't know what they're willing to give up to try to improve this team. So I think there might be a, more, a higher percentage that they stay pat and don't do anything. All right. Well, uh, we were teased with Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield, p- potentially up uh, in Boston. And now we have to wait for him to play the outfield, apparently in Miami, when they take on his former team, the Marlins, in the Derek Jeter Dome. And they have three huge games coming up before that Marlins series against the Rays, Montgomery and McClanahan on Tuesday, Cortez and Waka Wednesday, and Cole and Patino on Thursday. So this is another huge series, Jeff, where the Yankees have to get off the deck and get something done. And I could definitely see the way this season is going, that they take two of three from Tampa and everybody thinks that, oh, okay, the season is back on track before they go to Miami and get swept by the Marlins for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen the pitching matchup for the Marlins, but if they get out contra, then they probably lose that game. That's a guy that, you know, you look at him and he's, he's a true ace. They may miss him because he just 
came back from paternity leave. So that might be uh, that might be in their favor unless they get him on Sunday. I'm not sure. But I, I don't know. They're going to have a tough time in Tampa. You know, Tampa has that chip on their shoulder still that they can be just like the Red Sox are doing. I think the Red, you know, that's funny because you know what should piss you off is that, you know, the Red Sox are in that locker room and they're laughing their asses off. They're laughing their asses off after they beat you three out of four. And I don't know if anybody ever realizes that. I don't think so either. Uh, and we're going to talk more about this with Mark Malusis' trade deadline, uh, where this team is right now, if they're going to get into the playoffs. Of course, he's with WFAN. He's the co-host of Moose and Maggie from 10 to 2, uh, Monday through Friday, also an SNY personality. It's Mark Malusis, a.k.a. Moose, right here on the Pinstripe Pod next. As promised, joining us now, co-host of Moose and Maggie, 10 to 2, Monday through Friday on WFAN. He's also an SNY TV personality, Mark Malusis. You could follow him on Twitter. It's at Mark Malusis. Moose, we have a long and storied history working behind the scenes on Mike and the Mad Dog, and now I'm happy to welcome you to this podcast. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Chris, what's going on? Nelly, how are you guys doing? Good it, was, it was an interesting weekend up in Boston, I'll tell yeah, you that. We're, we're, we're better than the Yankees. Hello? Um, <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we please start with, uh, I know they're in the wild card hunt. It, it just pains me to say that. You know, back in 1995, when we were playoff starved, since not getting into the playoffs since that 81 season, you know, all through Don Mattingly's tenure from 82 all the way to 95, we were happy as pigs in slop to be even in consideration for a playoff spot. So back then we loved the wild card spot. But Mark, I texted you the gif as the kids do these days with the memes and all their you know stuff that they do with the interwebs and the social media platforms do the yankees have any shot at the playoffs yeah i mean i i think they i think they got a shot at the playoffs but i mean it gets worse by the day i mean that's that's the only issue you have right now is that you know the the days click by the games click by i don't think they have a shot at the american league east after what happened this past weekend up in boston i know they got the rays coming up and they've suffered so many different gut punches and so many terrible losses got to go back to 1993 the last time the yankees have blown so many games with four or more run leads in the eighth inning so it's been an atrocity and, and add sunday to the mix but you know, do do I think that, that Brian Cashman's going to try and add somebody by Friday? You know, I do. I mean, I, I think the Yankees aren't going to give up on this season. And, you know, even though it has looked really, really bad at times, and, you know, I don't think this team is winning a World Series this year. Can they still get themselves into the wild card race? Yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. We've yet to hit August. They Can they go on a run? I guess it's possible. Uh, there's still a little uh, – there's still a lot of talent on this team. However – you know, it's it's hard to envision them playing consistently enough in order to get there. So, you know, I'm kind of hedging it, right? Splitting the baby, as my dad would say growing up. You know, I'm telling you that there's a shot to do it. Do I necessarily believe that they're going to do it? Probably not, because we haven't seen it. And you didn't see it last year during the course of the regular season. And I know everyone blamed a 60-game wonky year. You haven't seen it this year during the course of the regular season. And, you know, they've, they've, they've been relatively healthy when you look at it. I know they've had guys out now. But still, when you look at the talent that's still in that lineup, they should be a lot better than what they are. Yeah, I agree. And to me, you look and you still have two months of baseball. I mean, anything can happen. But for them just to flip a switch 
after the first four has been a debacle and, and inconsistent as it has been. I, I don't know where they go. I mean, wh- where do you think they go? They need so many pieces. They just don't need just one guy. They need multiple guys to help them get to that next level. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think off this weekend, uh, you know, they, they've got to add a bullpen arm. You know, I, I believe it, you know, and, and, you know, the eighth inning yesterday, you know, I, I do think there's the a manager problem with Aaron Boone, but Boone's not going anywhere. And I'm not telling you that he's the worst manager in Major League Baseball. He's not. But the problem is, does he separate himself? Does he put this team in the best possible position to win? I mean, you listen to the Boone after the game on Sunday, you know, he's second guessing everything that he's doing in that eighth inning, you know, not committing and drawing the entire infield in with that soft ground ball out to Glaber Torres, which was the first out inning that tied the game up at four. Then he had the t- sacrifice fly that gave the Red Sox the lead. And he also brought in a contact pitcher in Zach Britton, who's going to pitch the contact. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the way he is. He's a ground ball pitcher. We all know that. I know that it's hard to make the argument, well, go to Chad Green after what we witnessed on Thursday night. But if you're looking to try and win the game there, you know, who's got the better swing and miss stuff? It's Chad Green. So you look at the defensive alignment, who you decide to go to, sticking with Loisica for an extra batter as well. When Kiki Hernandez ripped that double, that made little to no sense from Aaron Boone. So where does Cashman go? I mean, you can run the, the full gamut here. You know, they could use a reliever. They could certainly use a, a starting pitcher to plug in at the back end of that starting rotation. You want to say, okay, well, that market is a little bit too rich right now, so you're not going to go for the starter. You add a quality arm to that bullpen. You build that bullpen back up to where it used to be, where they had six dominant arms. It's not there now. And then when you look at the, you know, the stories of the past, you know, 48, you know, past, uh, you know, two, two and a half days about, you know, the Yankees kicking the tires on Trevor Story with the Colorado Rockies. It's going to take a lot to go get him from Colorado. You know, the problem we've all seen here is that the Yankees defensive alignment isn't particularly good either. I mean, you know, Glaber is not a shortstop. You know, he consistently makes errors. Can he feel the position? He's not an embarrassment at the position, but you could just look at him and say, well, he's not comfortable there. And doesn't make, you know, you kind of hold your breath every time the ball is hit his way. I think at the top of the list, I think it's probably a reliever. And then does Brian Cashman go and, and swing for one of the big fishes that are out there uh, like a story? Or does he make the decision that he wants to kind of hold on to his prospects? But they're going to try and do something. They can always add an outfielder, even with Judge returning to this team. You know, you got Greg Allen. He's looked good. They added Esteban Floreal, obviously out of desperation. But the interesting thing from an organizational perspective is they did that out of desperation, right? Because, you know, it was about a week and a half prior before the news came down on COVID and and Gio Urshela and, and Kyle Higashioka and Greg Allen and, and obviously Aaron Judge being out, that he didn't feel like anybody on the AAA level at that time could help them out on the Major League Club. Now, we've seen those guys flash here a little bit. The Yankees are going to have the ultimate test here to show their true belief in this team. You know, do they go out and try and add to this team? Because the old mantra for Brian Cashman has been, they've got to show me something before I'm going to go out there and improve them. Has this team showed him enough, or do you do it as a – an act of desperation to get this team where they believe organizationally they'd be at the start of the year, which is in the postseason. Okay, guys, real quick, I got a question for both of you. And it has to do with trades and other teams. And I think when when all the other organizations in baseball look at the Yankees, they look, okay, big payroll, especially when Mr. Steinbrenner is around, but obviously he's not. Big payroll, they, they're able to go out and get whoever they want. They can pay whoever they want. And maybe other organizations don't like that too much. And they're like, oh, you know, competitive balance or, you know, they're taking these players. They can do this. They can do that. They have the ability to 
overspend or and get their guy like they did maybe Garrett Cole. So when it comes down to the trade deadline and and teams are seeing this and they say, oh, 27 championships. And, you know, if we're going to deal with the Yankees and you know what, we're going to ask for these guys. And if we don't ask, if we don't get those guys, you know, heck with that. We'll go and we'll deal with another team that we feel that, uh, you know what, I, I'd rather see them win than have the Yankees all of a sudden build up and beat everybody down because they're giving us low prospects or low people. Do you see other teams feeling that way, saying, you know what, if we're going to deal with the Yankees, if we're going to make a trade with the Yankees, the only way we're doing it is they give us some big league talent or the guys that we want. Otherwise, we'll go deal with lesser players with another organization. Well, here, here's my thing. Uh, we've been doing this together too long because you took my question to Moose <laughs> right out of my <laughs> mouth because that's what I was going to say. I just don't see any other team. I think there are a lot of organizations. Now, look, if they can improve their team, by dealing with the Yankees, I think they'll do it. But like you just said, Jeff, I think other general managers and I think other teams love seeing the Yankees squirm. I I really think they do. And in this situation, if you don't ask for Jason Dominguez, if you don't ask for Floreal, if you don't ask for Luis Heal, if you don't ask for all these top prospects in any kind of deal, you're stupid. I mean, if it's a big name like Trevor Story, the Rockies have to come at the Yankees with everything they have. I mean, is this not true, Moose? I just don't see the commodities that the Yankees have to pull off a big-time deal unless they're going to give some major league talent back to the team that they're dealing with. Now, I we saw a rumor that we talked about on Thursday before we spoke to Joe Torre, and that was Jose Ramirez coming to the Yankees, but Glaber Torres going to the Indians. So if they really, truly want to make a splash here, some major league talent, Mark, in my estimation, has to go the other way. Yeah, it, well, the old, as Nelly was talking about, the old kind of Yankee tax, right? There's a, a matter of what certain teams will give up for players and what, certain, what uh, other teams would be willing the Yankees would if you're calling the Yankees, you want a little bit more from the Yankees than you want from everybody else. And listen, Cashman has been, you know, kind of a guy that's been kind of stuck to his guns about who he's willing to give up for who, right? I mean, what could help, say, you know, a Trevor Story is the news that came out over the weekend that regardless of who he gets traded to, he's not signing a contract that he wants to hit free agency. So that does help the Yankees and or any other team going out there to get Story because it's a pure rental, right? So... If he really wants to test free agency, you're paying for the next, you know, two months, maybe plus you get to October in the playoffs. But yeah, Nelly, I think it's a fair point. I mean, I, and plus the other thing that hurts Cashman and the Yankees here is they're desperate. And everybody in Major League Baseball knows that the Yankees are desperate, right? I mean, uh, you know, Boone doesn't have a contract pass this year. He's gotten three votes of confidence. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, the, there's chum in the waters about the job that Brian Cashman has done, you know, running this organization. You look at their farm system, uh, according to Baseball America, they're rated 15th, decidedly average. At one point in time, they were a top five, you know, and I know a lot of those guys got called up. But a couple things, not only do – Teams want to maybe see the Yankees squirm, the uh, quote-unquote Yankees tax. But if you're Brian Cashman, you're calling around Major League Baseball, everybody knows you're desperate because nobody ever envisioned this team being where they are here in late July, which is a team that is hoping and praying that they're able to get on some kind of a run to get into the postseason, but has played decidedly average baseball up until this point. Well, my uh, my buddy Casey Stern, who hosts the show on MLB Network Radio, he always says parades are greater than prospects. So the Yankees have to look themselves in the mirror here, guys. And Nelly, 
I know Mr. Steinbrenner always made moves to improve your squads when you won those four World Series in five years. But you you have to start looking at yourself in the mirror. To me, I, I don't see how they try to, you know, Moose, you made a great point with Story. It does kind of bring the deal down because he's a rental. He wants to hit free agency. Is there, is there anything for you guys? What can the Yankees do, right? I mean, is it just a matter of making the playoffs? I mean, the Yankees had visions of winning a World Series this year, right? Two off-seasons ago, they give Garrett Cole $324 million because they thought he was going to be a finishing piece, right? 2017, Yankee fans are celebrating, saying, if you were sitting here and you took a bet, 18, 19, 20, and say 21 doesn't end where the Yankees envision winning a World Series, everybody and their mother would have thought that 17 group would have won a World Series or at least been in the World Series by now. Like, Nelly asked me the question about, you know, the kind of Yankee tax. Chris, you mentioned about, you know, the Yankees or other organizations want to want to watch the Yankees squirm a little bit. What can the Yankees really conceivably do that can get them to be a World Series contender? So are you kind of putting a Band-Aid on like a, a bullet wound? I mean, that, that's the issue you have here if you're cashman the Yankees. I mean, you get not only get to October, I know everything can happen in October, but does this team really kind of scream of a championship caliber team with just a move or two by by Friday's MLB trade deadline? Okay, well, then that's the thing then. Okay, well, it's probably better that they don't make the playoffs because what, what are the fans going to think? Okay, they make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, everybody's happy. They lose in the first round. You know, you're going to get the same kind of gripes, the same kind of complaints about, ah, oh, we knew this. They shouldn't even have made the playoffs. You know, they're just, they were inconsistent the whole year. They make the first round and they get beat in the first round. They get swept in the first round. It's probably better they do nothing. It's probably better that they just stand pat, see what they have. And if they make the playoffs, they make the playoffs. If they don't, they don't. Right now, they're not going to make it because they're not consistent enough. I, I, it's, it's funny because it's... Uh, it's almost a double-edged sword. They're not a World Series team. They're not even close to becoming a World Series team and competing. And with the Yankees, that was the attitude all the time. You know, you always went to spring training. And if it's it, like, like Derek Jeter said, it's it's winning a World Series or bust or it's a disappointing season. Now, all of a sudden, hey, if we make the playoffs, that's a huge accomplishment for this team. Where, where did that attitude go? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, Nelly, I, you know, and, and I think, unfortunately, I think the, the mindset of the organization has changed, right? What they deem to be a successful year and what separated. And Nelly, you were part of those, you know, that great run with the Yankees. What what separated the Yankees then? And I understand not everything was great with George Steinbrenner. We don't have to go the history of, of George, right? But, you know, the, the mantra was, you know, you don't if you don't win a World Series, it's a disappointing year. I don't want to hear the fact of, you know, how many games you won in the course of the regular season. Now there's good and bad with that. But the positive is for the fan base is, well, that separate us from everybody else, right? They're not going to look at the amount of fans drawn, the amount of money made, the amount of games you won in the regular season. Well, that's completely changed. You look at Cashman and the Yankees after getting eliminated last year by the Tampa Bay Rays. What bothered me so much as a Yankee fan and do what I do is that the Yankees patted themselves on the back as an organization, you know, about we're just as smart as the Rays. You know, Tampa was better than us during the course of the regular season. You know, the, I've heard Brian Cashman say, well, you build for the regular season and you hope for the best in the postseason. Well, that's nonsense. I mean, Nelly, you can speak to this better than anybody else. There are guys that are just can step up their game, understand the moment, be able to play, pitch, hit in those big moments, those pressurized spots. And there are other guys that completely melt away. And if you don't use, if you don't look at that in separating players from one to the other, because there are players that are good in the regular season, but when they get to October, they take their game to another level. It's almost like the Yankees have said to themselves, well, 
We're going to deem it a successful year because it's unrealistic to win a championship every year, which I agree. But we're going to look at it. We're going to judge this organization out differently here about what is a successful year and what is not. We're still going to invest. We're still going to have a, a, a high salary team and a big payroll and, you know, and everything like that. We're going to give our fan base the stars. But in terms of accountability, that has completely changed within the organization. Yeah, they're going to hang their hat on making the playoff. That this is this is the New York Yankees. This isn't Oak, the Oakland A's or Seattle Mariners or or teams that are just happy to get through the regular season and say, "Hey, we're one of the teams. We made a wild card." That's for other organizations. That's not for that's not for the New York Yankees. And as far as being as smart as the Rays, I don't see where the Rays were too smart last year. They're actually pretty stupid by doing it. the analytics. Pretty much ruined their their World Series chance. So you know. <laughs> I don't know about that. How do you think that? Blake Snell out of that game, Nelly? How do you think Blake? <laughs> well, the computer printout, Rosie the Rosie the robot from the Jetsons came out and told us you have to get Blake Snell out of this game. Mark, I, I talked about this with Nelly in our in our previous segment. And I have to throw this out there because it resonated with me when you said these players who step up huge in October. But there was a huge start in Fenway, and I know it's July. But it's before the All-Star break. And these four games in Boston, they were huge for the Yankees. Thursday was heartbreaking. Sunday was soul-crushing. Forget the gut punch, as Aaron Boone described it. And I know it's only July and there's a lot of baseball left. And they're three and a half games out of a wild card. But your ace has to be an ace. You cannot throw 104 freaking pitches through five innings and be Garrett Cole in Fenway on Friday night. That cannot happen. He has to be better. That was a game the Yankees needed. And I'm telling you right now, if that's CC Sabathia, and I know lefties at Fenway don't have good numbers, but CC Sabathia would have come off that brutal loss and shut the Red Sox down. He would have figured out a way and he would have shut them down. I don't care about how good their lineup is. If you're the ace of the Yankees, you need to go out there on that Friday night and you need to put up a better performance. Too many foul balls. Too many great at-bats for the Red Sox. You have to be the ace. That pissed me off more than anything else. Well, Chris, totally agree. I mean, and, and we've talked about important Garrett Cole starts, that Saturday night start against the, the Houston Astros, and he was unbelievable in that start, right? And then, you know, that that six-inning rain-stopped uh, game, uh, you know, against Boston where he had, you know, the double-digit strikeouts, and he was fantastic. Yeah, especially here's, you know, Chris, especially sometimes there's bigger starts than others in the regular season. After the Chad Green meltdown on Thursday night, you know, Garrett Cole needed to take that ball on Friday and say, I'm going to bring it home, right? I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to take you, put it on my shoulders. You're paying me to be the guy. This is not Jordan Montgomery. And Montgomery was good on Thursday night. You know, he needed to deliver on Friday night. And once again, you know, he didn't. And we're going to get the excuses of, well, he's trying to find himself, the spider attack, spin rate, breaking that all down. It's not the same swing and miss pitcher that he was with the Houston Astros in 2019 when he had the 326 strikeouts. I get all that, but, you know, as as we were talking about, sometimes there's bigger games in, in the course of the regular season, Chris, and, and I totally agree. It's just, it's just not good enough. I mean, you've got to be better if you're Garrett Cole on Friday night, especially now. He could have a little bit of wiggle room. Yankees, Green does his job on Thursday night. 
Yankees win that game, then all of a sudden you have a little bit of wiggle room with your Garrett Cole. But all eyes were on him on Friday night up at Fenway Park, and unfortunately he didn't deliver, and he's got to be better than that. Yeah, I guess we'll just see these next couple days of what's going to happen and see if the Yankees even try to make a move. You know, you have all these rumors. There's a lot of play, there are a lot of teams that want the same as the Yankees, and, you know, that's why I scratch my head and I look at some of these trades. I'm like, oh, the Yankees have that. Why couldn't they have gotten that guy? But I, I think there's too many there's too many holes to fill. I thought in the beginning of the season that this was the best team in the American League. I know they, they could have done some things different in the winter, probably put Glaber Torres at second and, and signed Didi or signed a, a shortstop and also left-handed power. But I thought this team was good enough to win a World Series. And, and obviously it's like fool's gold. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, and, and, I, and I was both with you guys during the, you know, before the start of the year, I was saying the Yankees are the best team in the American League East. Never believed in the Boston Red Sox, stunned that the Red Sox have had the year that they have had, right? And even the Tampa Bay Rays, before they went on that 11-game winning streak, I mean, the only team that they were beating in Major League Baseball was really the Yankees. Now, you know, they've gone out there, they've added, you know, they added Nelly Cruz, then they traded off uh, Rich Hill to the Mets, you know, on Friday. But, you know, I'm, that's what's so disappointing. And I know everyone goes, well, how can you continue to get sideways about the Yankees? Because you look at it and you still can't believe that this group is sitting where they're sitting. You can't believe the amount of bad losses. I mean, we're at five now this year of unbelievable, like I've never seen this. I never thought that this would happen, whether it be the seven runs at one o'clock in the morning that Chapman and the Yankees gave up against the Angels, whether it be Alonzo tying the game up against Aroldis, whether it be Green's meltdown against the Strohs, Green's meltdown against the Boston Red Sox, that what happened with Loisica yesterday and the decision-making by Aaron Boone, you're looking at yourself and you say, I can't believe that this is actually happening with this team. Like, I can't believe they're <laughs> sitting here and the Yankees are being like, well, it's late July and I'm not going to have any Yankee baseball root for in August and September. Like, they're going to die on the vine. Like, this is the Yankees. Like, what are they doing? Like, what are you doing? Man up here. Get some outs. Get some outs. Let's win some games here. It's so frustrating to watch. And then, you know, what also adds to it is, you know, Stan can't play the outfield. Like, stop asking Aaron Boone the question of whether John Carlos Stan's going to play the outfield because I don't want to hear anymore. We'll be ramping up on the horizon. Last week, it was good chance that Stan play the outfield this weekend in Boston. He didn't play the outfield this week in Boston. Stop asking the question. He's never playing the outfield again. <laughs> you have you have a better shot. And I was waiting for when 10 to 2 Mark was going to show up in there. Is Nick Totoro Jr. is in the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so fun. I could not believe. Honestly, like, I could not believe. Like, I've got a drainage issue. I'm digging a ditch in my backyard <laughs> yesterday, right? I got the Yankee game on, right? I'm watching, like, the, you know, Sanchez is hitting a triple. I mean, Gary Sanchez is hitting a triple at Fenway Park. I'm like, oh, my God, the season's turning around. And then it starts to melt down. I sweated through my entire shirt yesterday. I come in, I flip the game on after listening to it in the backyard yesterday. And then also I'm watching this team absolutely melt down in the eighth inning. I was like, oh my God, right afterward I have a beer. I'm like, I couldn't believe this. Mark Melusis also being driven 
to drink by the New York Yankees. Same, same. The, the theme is everyone's melting here, you know, from the heat and from the Yankees baseball. It's a big meltdown here. That's it, Jake. You got it. Oh, God. Mark, uh, you do such a tremendous job with Maggie Gray from 10 to 2 on WFAN. You're a contributor on SNY. You do a tremendous job with them. You have for years. You were great on the board and as a producer for Mike and the Mad Dog. I appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship. And most of all, I appreciate you coming on today. We thank uh, we thank you, brother. Chris, I love you. Nelly, thank you, Jake, Thanks, everyone. Bruce. Thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. Love the podcast. You guys do a great job covering the Yankees. So appreciate it. Sheeran, I thought you were going to end there with a true story. <laughs> <laughs> That says goodnight to episode 72, the Marcus Timms edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mongea for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Thursday night following the Yankees three-game series with the Rays. Enjoy the games, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod. Adios, folks. <laughs>